Hey, where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on 8. Yeah, I know. But that's eight floors up. That's like eight times eight. I don't A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash choose blue by December 11th. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com part of the Scout.com network, which brings you some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. And in today's podcast, we're going to continue our position-by-position review of the Packers by looking at the running backs. But before we get rolling with that, I'd like to remind you to check out the rest of the great Lockdown Podcast Network, which includes Lockdown NFL, Lockdown NFL Draft, and Lockdown Fantasy. And check out my website, PackerReport.com. I'm going through my version of player grades over there this week. I know Bob McGinn of the Journal Sentinel did his for uh, the Press Gazette and Journal Sentinel on Sunday and Tuesday. Mine are based on a salary cap curve, sort of a little bit different than Bob's. I just think the cap is the most important thing in football, maybe even more important than a quarterback. And the guys who you devote a lot of salary cap dollars to, those guys better play like stars. And then you need enough of those shoestring budget kind of guys who, you know, who play beyond that cap level to get your team to new heights. So that's how I go at it, and I've done uh, quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, and tight ends so far this week. Also, the Packers, if you're from around these parts, the Packers yesterday announced their the, uh, the 12th annual tailgate tour. There will be stops in Medford, Wisconsin, Ashland, Wisconsin, Houghton, Michigan, Rhinelander, Wisconsin, and Iron Mountain, Michigan, the players will include Brett Hundley, Aaron Ripkowski, and Jake Ryan, the alumni Robert Ferguson, Amon Green, and Ryan Longwell, and Packers President and CEO Mark Murphy. That would be Medford April 4th, Ashland April 5th, Houghton April 6th, Rhinelander April 7th, and Iron Mountain on April 8th. So definitely a northern trip this year for the Packers. And there will be tailgate parties in each of those cities. Um, with the proceeds from that supporting a local nonprofit organization. All right, let's get into the running backs, shall we? And we'll start with Ty Montgomery, who is the starting running back for this ball club. Especially at this point, with Eddie Lacy and Kristen Michael headed for agency, and James Starks probably headed toward the uh, toward the waiver wire, I would assume. Can't see enough about Montgomery. Finished as a team leader in rushing yards with 457. He ran about 77 times. It takes 100 carries to be considered among the league leaders. So he fell 23 short of that. Had he gotten to that number, his 5.9-yard average would have led the NFL. Now, Obviously, a lot of that production came against Chicago in Week 15 when he had 16 carries, 162 yards, a 10.1-yard average, a 61-yarder, and two touchdowns. But he was pretty well productive for, for most of his stint back there. You know, you start, you know, his first game, or, well, let's back up a little bit. Atlanta, nine carries, a 6.7-yard average. Excuse me, that was Chicago. Then he was inactive for the Atlanta game because of the sickle cell deal. Indy, seven carries, a 7.6-yard average. 
Then they get a whole bunch of touches again in the backfield for a couple weeks. Then to Houston, six carries, a 6.7-yard average. Then Seattle, nine carries, a 4.6-yard average. Then it was the aforementioned Chicago game, 16 and 10.1. Minnesota, the only team that bottled them up, really. Nine carries, a 2.6-yard average. And then Detroit, in Week 17, eight carries, a 5.5-yard average. Uh, limited success in the playoffs, but you know, for the most part, he was successful week after week. Pro Football Focus um, it had him averaging, averaging, 5.14 yards after contact per carry. 5.14. Um, I believe they've been doing their breakdowns for 11 years. It could be longer, but I know for sure at least 2006 they were doing them. So it's at least 11 years. And that is the best ever for a running back. Um, Michael Turner. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, here we go. Michael Turner, 4.8 yards after contact in 2006. So Montgomery, the best ever. Again, it's 72, 72 carries, but on those 72 carries, he broke 18 tackles. Um, to, to, get, to go back to that yards after contact at 5.14, in 2014, that was Eddie Lacy's. Eddie Lacy had a big year that year. That year, Lacy averaged 2.82 yards after contact, and that was third in the league. Just think about that. So Montgomery's number this year was 2.3 yards better than Lacey in 2014, and Lacey was third in the NFL. Obviously, Montgomery's got a lot of work to do. I feel like I jinxed him. I remember for the world's best preview, I forget which week it was. I think maybe it might have been going into the Minnesota game. And I remember that Montgomery had not given up a sack. He'd only given up, I think, one pressure in all of his snaps at running back, and he was... Having to be pro football focuses, top-ranked, pass-protecting running back. Obviously, small sample size. And then it all fell apart. <laughs> and then it all fell apart. Defenses, and this is why I kept saying it, at some point, if you're, if you're a defensive coordinator, you've got to figure out what you're going to do. You either have to play an extra defensive back in there for pass coverage purposes, or another linebacker in there for run purposes, but however you do it, you've got to blitz. You've got to force Green Bay to either get him out of the backfield as a receiver, but then have him covered. And, and because you're going to, because if, if he goes out, you're outnumbered or close numbers at offense pass protection wise, which then therefore speeds up Rodgers' play clock. Now, he, he might burn you with it, but that's one way to do it. So and and you know and otherwise to keep Montgomery in there to protect and you're then you're testing Montgomery's ability to actually pick up a blitz, and you saw that the second half of the Dallas game and really throughout the Atlanta game, that when he was in the game and it was a passing down Atlanta blitzed, and Montgomery was not up to the task. He, I on my count, I'm giving him four sacks in the last five games. So look, it's no surprise he wasn't good at it. I mean, he's, he's never had to do it. He kind of learned how to do it on the fly. I mean, you, you go to Eddie, Eddie Lacy was a great pass protector. A, he's huge, and that certainly helps. That probably shouldn't be discounted, that, that he's bigger than basically anybody blitzing him. But 
Lacey had done it for so long. Lacey is incredibly smart. I, you know, I, I'm sure it happened. I, but I can't hardly remember any if times where where Lacey was out of position, where you know he went to the wrong spot and a guy came in untouched and, and hit Rogers or forced a bad throw because Lacey was in the bad spot. Everyone's gonna get beat physically. But that's what made Lacey such a great back, along with the running and receiving stuff. And we'll get into Lacey here in a bit, obviously, but. He's so good at pass protecting. Montgomery doesn't have that. Again, when Montgomery was watching film for all these years, he's watching defensive backs. He's watching coverage schemes. And now he's, he's in the film room, he's watching blitzers. And so there's that. And there's, you know, he's trying to pick up on, on, on last minute, or last minute, last second adjustments as he was coming. And then it's just physically able to beat the blitz. And, you know, he, he struggled there. The good thing with Ty is he's smart, and he didn't he didn't back down from it. I mean, he was all in on, on this running back thing as a way as a way to get on the field, and he he's not unwilling to do it. I mean, I didn't see him um, get beaten pass protection because of a lack of effort or a lack of desire to do it. The want to to do it is there, and that and it, you know as far as that, that's half the battle. I mean. I've seen enough running backs in my years of doing this. Not really here in Green Bay because they don't draft guys like that, but I've seen enough running backs over the years where that guy just wants nothing to do with that blitzer. And I, I, I did not see that in Montgomery. So he's going to have a, and he's gonna have a whole offseason to train as a running back, and he needs that. You know, other than the Chicago game where he ran the ball 16 times, I mean, he didn't have 10 carries in any regular season game. Not one. And I can remember I kept getting from from fans on Twitter or in the forums or email. Why isn't Montgomery why isn't McCarthy giving Montgomery the ball more? Excuse me, coffee, coffee sip there. Um and I kept saying, I don't know if I don't and I kept saying, I don't know if anybody knows if he can withstand the beating up of being a running back. And I kept assuming there wasn't really the sickles after I mean after a while. Early on, I thought it was a sickle cell, and when he kept not getting a whole lot of carries, it was like, well, it, they just don't know if he can withstand a punishment. And again, Montgomery's trained all these years to be a receiver, and that is different training than as a running back. As a running back, you've got to train to protect yourself. I mean, some of that training has to be to flat out protect yourself. And they had a layer of padding, basically, to protect yourself, and you know, he didn't train like that. And, you know, plus, he got 11 carries against the Giants. 11 against the Cowboys, and then he dropped out of the Atlanta game with a bad ankle. And he had a couple ankle issues um, during his stint at running back. So a big offseason from Montgomery physically to get ready for the rigors of playing running back. And then from the mental perspective and the technique perspective on protecting the quarterback. Because as a runner, the guy's terrific. You know, you, you look at the yards after contact and, and, the, and, the, and the missed tackles that he forced. You know, there's receivers have a stigma of being pretty boys who don't want to get hit, and I think I think defenses were uh, a bit surprised by that. A bit surprised that you know what Montgomery's not just a receiver playing running back. He's he's got toughness. I mean, how many times you know, look at that Bears game? I mean, he get in the open field and he stiff arm the guy at the ground, and I mean, he did the Giants game too. You know, he stiff arm the guy at the ground. He's got he's, he's got that. He's got really good vision. You know, those first first couple of games, he looked like he got shot out of a cannon. 
And the old lineman asked him to run with more patience, and he he quickly picked up on running with patience, and that made him a better runner there too. So I think the sky's the limit for Montgomery. But can he be the guy? That's the million-dollar question. And certainly, if you're Ted Thompson, you can't go into this offseason banking on Montgomery being the guy. You've got to have plan B and plan B. It's got to be a damn good one. Plan B on the team at this moment is Eddie Lacy, Kristen Michael, James Starks, Don Jackson, John Crockett. Are any of those guys plan B? Well, let's start with let's start with Eddie Lacy. Lacy's gonna be a free agent, and we talked about this in, in when I said free agency here last week. What is Lacy's market gonna be? Production wise, no brainer, right? It'll be great. His first two seasons, it'll be 2013-2014, he had 3,000 total yards. It's 1,500 per season. Great runner, um, gifted receiver, ran with power, got that spin move. This year, in the, in the, you know, there's all that, all the talk, obviously, in the offseason was him working out with the, the P90X guy, and he certainly was slimmer. Was past tense. I remember at practice once. I don't think I've ever told this story. I remember Eddie Lacy going through a ball security drill. It was it's the gauntlet where you know he gets the ball, and all and all the non-skill guys form a form a tunnel basically, and they're and they're all trying to whack the ball out. It's called the gauntlet. I remember Lacy getting through it and then tripping over someone's foot or, or whatever it was. And he, and, he, and he went down on the ground, and I, and I joked to Domofsky, man, you can feel the ground shake there. <laughs> and we kind of laughed, but you know, the point was, he is huge. And in my mind's eye is not good. My memory is not that good where I could visualize Eddie Lacy circa 2015 with the Eddie Lacy of, you know, was it late September, early October, whatever the heck it was, of 2016. But he was huge. Because I don't know if he was as huge as he was in 2015, Whatever. He, he put the weight back on. But he was damn good. And I think the, the offseason training paid dividends in that regard, where he was very, very effective. Five-game total, 71 carries, 360 yards. A 5.1-yard average. That 360 yards, if you take it over 16 games, that would have been, been 1,150 yards. And that 5.1-yard average, and that's, that's uh, way down by his last game. Remember, he, that game against Dallas, he was already playing with a bad ankle. And he's out there hurling guys, and he, I mean, he ran his butt off that game. 17 for 65, a 3.8-yard average. So that actually chopped, the, chopped down the size of it, that 5.1-yard average that he had. But he was terrific. Like I mentioned, he's great in pass protection. He didn't do much as a receiver this year. Only, only caught four passes, I believe. Yeah, four. Four to seven. But his history tells you he's a really good receiver. In his first three years, well, here's here. Here's his full, for his four-game totals, 101 for 900, an 8.9-yard average. So for three years, he caught 98. That's basically 33 catches per season, about 300 yards. Really good receiver. 
you know, Mike McCarthy always talks about three-down running backs, and Eddie Lacy is a three-down running back. So what does that mean for agent-wise? Because he's played well enough to earn a pretty good contract. But, and you know the ask is here with that but, don't you? Wait. If you let yourself go in 2014 when you're on a rookie contract, and you let yourself go again in 2015 when you're playing for a contract, what in the hell are you going to do if we actually pay you? So I don't think he's going to get any money. I think it's it's one year, um, maybe minimum-ish, minimum-ish base salary, throw a bunch of incentives in there. That would seem to be the logical way to go. And if you're lacy, I would think one year makes sense too. You know, bank on your sense of one year, bank on myself kind of deal. Because he'll be 27 um, around the start of free agency this year, so which will make him 28 next year. So if he has a big year this year, he'll only be around 28. Um, either just north of 28 or just south of 20. No, just north of... He'll be in 28. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm trying, I'm trying outsmarting myself here with the language, which... With my limited intellect and limited um, vocabulary, probably not a good idea. But you know what I'm saying. He'll be 28 plus or minus a couple months there when free agency starts. Um, that's probably at an age where he can get a couple, you know, three-year contract or whatever and make some serious coin. So if you're Lacey, that makes sense. If you're Green Bay, that makes sense. But, again, now I'm going to throw that button there. If you're Green Bay, what do you do? Because you could certainly use him. But has he worn out his welcome? I, I, I don't know. I, I have absolutely no idea. I mean, I would think you'd want to bring him back. But if, you, if, if the coach calls you out and then you put in the work and then you just let yourself go again a bit, I mean, it's, it's you know, McGinn in his player grade said it's up to the it's as much up to the team as it is to the player. And I say, bull blank on that. It is up to the player. He's an adult. I mean, what can you do as a team? I mean, the, you, there, there are CBA limitations. I mean, do you want running back Ben Sermons to you know, buy a house next door to Lacey? Um, do you hire private investigators to spy on him? Do you put a, do you put a shot collar on a guy and he, and he goes into a... Uh, Hardies or whatever. And he, I mean, what the hell do you do? I mean, he's an adult. There's really only so much you could do for the guy. He's got all the resources in the world with Green Bay. And with, and with any professional team, he's got all the resources in the world. At some point, either you're mature enough to take, take advantage of it for your own good or you're not mature enough. And if you're not mature enough, why the hell do I want you on my football team? So, interesting dilemma. But back to keeping him, you've, you've got to have someone here alongside Montgomery. You've got to have someone. And look at Green Bay's draft list. Outside linebacker you need. You need corners. Maybe you need a guard if you let T.J. Lane go. You've got a lot of stuff that you need. Maybe you need a tight end if you let Jared Cook go. You've got a lot of stuff you got to draft. If you keep Lacey, yeah, you have to draft a running back maybe, but you don't have to prioritize it. I mean, you... You take a flyer on some kid, you know, sixth, seventh round, who's got the measurables that you like, and by measurables that you like, I mean 230 pounds and moves pretty well. That's what Green Bay likes. 
225, 230, can catch and block. To keep Lacey, especially if it's a if it's a good financial bargain, you're set. But you're not bringing back James Starks, right? James Starks will have a cap number of, you know, I forget the cap number. I, I looked it up the other day. But if you cut him and you whack and you get rid of the base salary, you're saving um, three million dollars of cap space. Three million. You just have the. Uh, the signing bonus proration left over. So it'd be a $3 million cap savings. You've got to... Probably time for James to go. 63 carries, 145 yards, a 2.3-yard average. It's unbelievable. You know, people talk about running backs hit 30, their toilet, their career goes downhill, and you say, well, generically speaking, sure, but everybody's different. Well, James Stark's not different. He turned 30... Three weeks later, he signs his free agent contract. As a 29-year-old running back, he had almost 1,000 total yards. He set career-high numbers in practically everything. And then it just fell off the face of the earth. like It was the damnedest thing he'd ever seen. Against Tennessee, 7 for 33, 4.7-yard average. His, he played nine games full. So the other eight games... He never averaged more than 2.8. That's unbelievable. He, he had one run of longer than 10 yards. Eddie, Eddie Lacy had four of more than 25. Same guy as blocking. Maybe you're just absolutely cursing and, and having nowhere to go, which is possible. But, whew. Sark said nothing, and it's, it's time to move on. Kristen Michael. 31 carries, 114 yards with Green Bay. A 3.7-yard average. He had two really good games. Actually, gosh, I shouldn't even say two really good games. Against Houston, 10 for 36. Against Chicago, 4 for 45 with that great 42-yard touchdown. Against the Giants in the playoffs, 10 for 47. But, you know, the, you know other games, just, just a total non-factor. Was against him. He didn't, he didn't even touch the ball against Dallas. I can't. I, if I'm Ted Thompson, it's it's time to move on. And you 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 you, you knock you you knock on wood that Michael's able to contribute a bit here as a sidekick to Montgomery. But Green Bay's running backs running the ball is great. That's important. He's got skill there. He runs hard. He runs fearlessly. Cuts back way too often. Yeah, and that was the knock on him. It's Seattle, which is why they cut their leading. <laughs> he was their leading rusher when they cut him. I mean, you're you're not cutting your leading rusher unless there's a reason. He's got and and there and you saw all the reasons here. Not much vision. He just cuts the ball back whether it needs to or not. And for the in that big touchdown against Chicago, it was the right move. Other times he's cutting back and what in the hell are you doing? But there are three phases of playing running back, and the other one is you've got to catch the ball. And this is unbelievable. Two catches for Green Bay for 11 yards. That's two. In a pass-first offense, you caught two passes. In his first four-year career, 26 catches, 135 yards. A 5.2 yards He's never had a catch of more than 13 yards. Pretty remarkable. 
So he's a non-factor there, and he's not the smartest guy in the room. I'll leave it at that. And so much of picking up the blitz is about the smarts, and it's about football instincts and, and intelligence. And, and when Aaron Rodgers changes the protection with two seconds to go on the play clock, you got to know exactly where to go and, and where you got and who you got to pick up. And I just don't think that's going to work out. So you got to move on from that. So you're moving on from Michael. You're moving on from Starks. So that leaves Lacey, and you know your other options are Don Jackson. Undrafted rookie from Nevada. Um, spent the offseason with the team. Um, failed his physical, so wasn't here for training camp. Was signed to the practice squad at the start of the season. Got promoted, um, ran 10 times for 32 yards. Or excuse me, 10 for 30. Yeah, excuse me, 10 carries for 30 yards. Ran hard, I don't know. I mean, I I have no feel for the guy because I, I, I don't have any preseason um, memories to look back on. So I have absolutely no idea. He's a pretty pretty respectable runner at Nevada. A total non-factor in the passing game there. That, 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 might, that might have been scheme more than anything. Um, I like Crockett. I mean, I remember talking to a scout during camp. And he thought Crockett had, this good, had the goods to be a, a pretty good number two back, he said. Not number three. He had been number three here, obviously, between Lacey and, or behind Lacey and Starks. He thought Crockett would be Pretty good number three. Remember, he got hurt in training camp. He spent the year on IR. You know, I half expected him to be the the designated to return player. Um, wasn't Lacey, obviously. And they brought back uh, cornerback McIntyre. Throwing. I kind of thought um, Crockett might be that guy. Was not, obviously. Obviously, Jackson's going to be back. I wonder about Crockett. I might as well. I mean, shoot. What's, what's there to lose? I Bring back all these guys, I say. Um, between Jackson and Crockett. So that is the running back position in a nutshell. A lot of uncertainty. When Montgomery is your guy and you have no idea if Lacey's going to resign, you have no idea if Michael's going to be back, you know, Stark's prize is going to be back, and you have no idea if John Jackson or John Crockett can actually be a legitimate NFL running back. Fullbacks, Aaron Rupkowski, 34 carries, 150 yards, 4.4 yard average, scored a couple touchdowns. Ran, runs well. And obviously that fumble against Atlanta is going to be the black mark on his season and maybe his career if uh, the Packers, or if that was really the highlight. Of, if, if, if this season was the highlight of his rushing and ball carrying part, then that fumble is going to haunt him forever. I mean, they're, they're, they're going in for a touchdown and make it 10-7, and 10-7 is a whole different game, and Atlanta instead forces the fumble, scores, and it's 17 nothing, and the game is over. But, man, there is so much to like about Repkowski. He became kind of their third down guy down the stretch because he protects well, he's smart. I mean, he is John Kuhn Jr., maybe. Or maybe he'll never be a great blocker. Now, he might well be a great blocker in time. He's not now. But, you know, he runs the ball well, catches it well, you know, runs with power. A little bit of shiftiness you saw at times on some of those runs and, and catches. Especially, especially the Detroit game. I mean, he he beat some guys in the hole. So a really good year for Rubikowski, and I'm interested to see if he can develop as a, if he can develop as a blocker. He's got a chance to be the best fullback in the NFL. 
but definitely a definitely a uh, a focal point of this offense going forward for sure. And then fullback Joe Carriage, I have absolutely no idea. I think he played twenty snaps. Yeah, no no idea if the guy's any good. But hey, McCarthy likes fullbacks. Uh, he likes to have full house package with the two fullbacks and a running back behind. And I, you know, I really like that package too because when they do that, if you're a linebacker in, in a traditional two back set, you are reading the fullback because the fullback most of the time is going to take you to the ball. We stick two fullbacks back there, and then now that that takes away that key, so I, that's a, that's a really good formation for him. So it's definitely definitely worth definitely worth bringing back. Both those guys are really smart. So I think they're well, I don't think. I mean, these guys are set at fullback, and it just leaves the intrigue at running back. And that will do it for this episode of Locked On Packers. My sincere thank you for listening. Have a great day. We will talk wide receivers tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. The list.